This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Padres Postgame Show on the Padres Radio Network. Coming up, we'll deliver a full recap of today's game with highlights. Plus, we'll take you down to the manager's office to hear from Bob Melvin. And we'll give you an update on scores from around Major League Baseball. The Padres Postgame Show starts now on the Padres Radio Network. Chato runs again, the 1-1 pitch, hit in the air to deep center field. Chisholm's going back. He is at the wall, looking up, going to go. Two-run homer, Xander Bogarts. And the Padres get some much-needed add-on offense here in the sixth. Xander Bogarts, the big blast as the Padres beat the Miami Marlins 4-0 on this Wednesday afternoon to take the rubber game of their three-game series against Miami. Xander Bogarts, his 14th home run of the season, a two-run bomb in the sixth inning en route to a 4-0 win here today for San Diego. Sam Levitt with you inside the loft at the Western Metal Building here at Petco Park. A lot to do on an extended edition of our post-game coverage here from downtown San Diego. We'll hear from Padres manager Bob Melvin coming up in just a handful of minutes. I also just caught up with Xander Bogarts down on the field right after the game. You'll hear that conversation in a moment. All the radio highlights, your phone calls, our daily awards, out-of-town scoreboard, and much, much more to come as the Padres get a very nice 4-0 win over the Marlins. They take two out of three from the fish, and now they hit the road for a series in Milwaukee beginning on Friday, a six-game road trip to Milwaukee and St. Louis. Xander Bogarts, the big blast in this game. The two-run home run went from a 1-0 game to a 3-0 game. It was off Sandy Alcantara, the terrific starting pitcher for the Marlins, and really gave the Padres some much-needed breathing room after they had a 1-0 lead in this game from the end of the first inning on. I caught up with Xander one-on-one on the field right after the game. Xander, let's go back to the home run. You're facing a tough pitcher there in Sandy Alcantara. How were you able to get such a good swing on that pitch? Oh, I mean, I had a couple hit and runs. The bat prior, I had a hit and run foul ball. That I bat, I let off with a hit and run again foul ball. And I actually think it was a hit and run I hit out. I kind of, maybe I missed that sign. But, yeah, it was a good pitch to hit. Middle in, I was looking for some middle in up. And, yeah, it feels good when you connect on one like that, for sure, off a good pitch like that. After last night's game, you talked a little bit in the clubhouse about the struggles offensively, wanting to put more traffic on the bases. You guys did that here today. What was the key to what you did offensively as a group? I feel like swing at strikes, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I, I hit a couple balls hard today. They didn't find no holes. I feel like we've been swinging a bat well this whole series pretty much, hitting the ball hard with no bases, no, no, no reward for it. Uh, 
But today we got a lot more walks. Uh, we were a lot more patient swinging at our pitches. And uh, you see what can happen. You create traffic and hit a ball in the gap or anything. You, you, see, you see Kimi put the bat on the ball double and then move him over by Toddy. And, uh, and then you obviously you see what, what Soto did. So it was a really good baseball game in, in, in general overall for the team. This starting pitching continues to be terrific. Michael Walker, first game of the series, Blake yesterday, and what Seth Lugo did here tonight, six scoreless innings. From your perspective at shortstop, what did Lugo do so well today? His ball was moving a lot. His ball was moving a lot. Obviously, he has, a, he, he has movements, but today it was, it was moving nice. Uh, Sandy also had a lot of movement on their ball, kind of sinker ball, two-seam type of guys. Uh, but, yeah, I remember hearing him in the dugout. His changeup has a lot of fade today, so... I felt like just everything in general had a lot of a lot more bite to it and it was a lot more sharp. Finally, Xander, how do you guys keep this rolling on the road in Milwaukee? Tough series. Uh, I feel like the opponents that we're going to play are, are pretty tough and uh, we can't get too, uh, too down about our schedule. we got to go out there and win every game as possible, win the series, and uh, you never know what can happen. There's a lot of weird things that happened in this game in the past, and uh, hopefully one of those is this year for us. Xander, great job today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was Xander Bogarts from down on the field right after the game. Bogarts is 14th home run of the season, a two-run homer in the sixth inning, helping put the Padres ahead 3-0 en route to a 4-0 win. We have a selfie here. Selfie time. <laughs> All right. Great photos here inside the loft uh, at the Western Metal Building here at Petco Park. Everybody having a good time. Why not? as the Padres win the rubber game of this series against the Miami Marlins. A lot to do on our post-game show. I am taking you up until just about 6 p.m. here tonight. So you'll be with me, a very extended edition of our post-game coverage. We'll get to plenty of your phone calls. We have plenty of time to spend together on this Wednesday afternoon into early evening as the Padres get a 4-0 win against Miami. They improve to 61-67. and Marlins drop to 65-63. and Radio highlights when we come back. And we hear from Bob Melvin. That's coming up next on the Padres Radio Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our post-game show continues here on the Padres Radio Network. Sam Levitt with you inside the Western Metal Building here at Petco Park as we wrap this one up. Padres get a nice 4-0 win against the Miami Marlins. So a disappointing loss yesterday, 3-0 against Miami. Padres winning 6-2 on Monday in the opener of this three-game series. And the Padres really throughout this series pitched very, very well. Whether it was Seth Lugo here today, six scoreless innings. Blake Snell yesterday, six innings, three runs given up. Michael Waka, five innings and a third, one earned run allowed. A lot to do on our postgame coverage. We'll have the radio highlights for you in just a moment. Also hear from Padres manager Bob Melvin. Replay my conversation with Xander Bogarts after the game. In case you missed that and much more. Again, this is an extended edition of our postgame show. We're going to take you all the way up until right around 6 p.m. here today on 97.3 The Fan and the Padres Radio Network. So I'll be with you throughout the drive home. Good to have you with us on this Wednesday. Wednesday 
afternoon. One other thing we're going to keep an eye on as we uh, see things coming from the clubhouse. We are going to keep an eye on if uh, Robert Suarez speaks inside the Padres clubhouse. He entered the game for the eighth inning and was checked by the umpiring crew and was ejected. Uh, the, uh, you know, routine uh, illegal substance check and uh, it appeared that Suarez was ejected for an illegal substance of some kind on him. Um, hard to tell what exactly that was uh, looking at the, the TV broadcast uh, inside the booth. But uh, when we have more information, or uh, I'm sure we'll hear about it from Bob Melvin coming up here uh, in just a little bit, we will pass that along to you. So that was a significant part of this game as well, not just because Robert Suarez couldn't pitch in this game, but remember those violations come with a 10-game suspension. And at this time of year, with what this team needs to accomplish in order to get to the postseason, that would be a big loss for 10 games, not having Robert Suarez as your setup guy for Josh Hader and just generally in that bullpen. So that could end up being a major, you know, not-so-good part of this win here today for the Padres. And, again, we'll uh, stay tuned for updates on that, and I'm sure we'll hear from Bob Melvin on that coming up in just a few minutes. Again, the final score, Padres 4, Marlins nothing here on this Wednesday at Petco Park. Let's recap how it went down. Let's go through the biggest moments from today's game with our game highlights. Presented by the new El Cajon Ford Commercial Service Center. Servicing all Fords up to F-750s and motorhomes. Seth Lugo threw a scoreless top of the first inning. In the bottom half, the Padres got off to a quick start against Sandy Alcantara, the reigning NL Cy Young Award winner. Hassan Kim hit a leadoff double. With one out, it was Juan Soto. So Kim now 90 feet away with one out. The infield in against Juan Soto. He swings at the first pitch and bounces it past Bell into right field. RBI single Juan Soto as Kim scores. And the Padres take a 1-0 lead in the first. Seth Lugo, meanwhile, got off to an excellent start through four innings. He had allowed just one hit. Alcantara also settling in. He had allowed just one hit through four. Or I should say, for Alcantara, just one run through four. In the top of the fifth inning, Lugo got in two-out trouble. Runners on first and third with two men away. Lugo had to face the very powerful Jorge Soler. Stallings goes. The payoff pitch. Swung on and missed. Strike three. Came back to the curve and got him. Second strikeout of the day for Lugo, and he's gotten Soler twice. Lugo would work around a leadoff single in the sixth inning. He went six scoreless innings. He was terrific. Three hits allowed, walked one, struck out four, 93 pitches, 54 of those for strikes. Padres still led just one nothing, heading to the bottom of the sixth inning. Sandy Alcantara still on the mound. Manny Machado drew a one-out walk against him. Xander Bogarts was next. Machado runs again. The 1-1 pitch hit in the air to deep center field. Chisholm's going back. He is at the wall, looking up, going to go. Two-run homer, Xander Bogarts. And the Padres get some much-needed add-on offense here in the sixth. Steven Wilson pitched a scoreless top of the seventh inning. In the bottom half, Alcantara went back to work. Garrett Cooper hit a leadoff single. He was on second base with two men away for Fernando Tatis Jr. Alcantara deals, and the 1-2 rifled out towards right. And Sanchez has to play it on a hop. Cooper's going to try and score. The throw to the plate is not in time. RBI single, Fernando Tatis Jr. And now 4-0 in the seventh. 
That was it for Alcantara. He went six and two-thirds innings, four earned runs given up on seven hits, walked three, struck out three, 105 pitches for Sandy Alcantara. A.J. Puck came in to finish that bottom half of the seventh inning. We went to the eighth inning, and this is when Robert Suarez came on. He was checked by the umpires, or at least one umpire. I'll be honest with you, I have to go rewatch it on TV. Uh, we were, uh, you know, monitoring things on the radio side of things, but he was given his routine uh, sticky substance check and well apparently he didn't pass it because the umpire and crew threw him out of the game and uh, we'll find out more about that like I said but he was out of the game Tom Cosgrove then had to come in warm up and he put together a one two three top of the eighth inning Padres didn't get anything in the bottom half of the eighth inning so they still led four nothing going to the ninth inning with the day off tomorrow Bob Melvin going to Josh Hader in a non uh, in a non-save situation and it was tricky for Hader in that ninth inning. Josh Bell, a leadoff single. Jazz Chisholm Jr., a walk. Then he struck out Jake Berger for out number one. He walked Brian De La Cruz to load the bases. That brought the tying run to the plate in the ninth inning. But he bounced back to strike out pinch hitter Garrett Hampson for out number two. The tying run was at the plate in pinch hitter Yuli Goriel with two men away. Padres with a 4-0 lead over the Marlins. Bases loaded, two outs. Three and two to Yuli Gurriel. Haters ready. Here's the pitch and a swing and a miss. Got him with a fastball and a three strikeout ninth inning as the Marlins leave him loaded. Padres blank the fish four to nothing here this afternoon. They take the series and they finish the homestand at an even five and five. So a 5-5 five and five homestand against the Orioles, the Diamondbacks, and the Marlins certainly could have been better, certainly could have been worse as well. And the Padres now head on the road for this six-game road trip to Milwaukee and St. Louis. And they will enter that road trip 61-67. and 67. Marlins drop to 65-63. and 63. Final totals here today for the Padres. Four runs, seven hits, one error. And for the Marlins, no runs, four hits, and no errors as the Padres salvage. Well, they don't salvage. They win the rubber game of this three-game series, and uh, you felt like a much-needed win here today as the Padres try to stay in this wild-card race and try to put some momentum together uh, here in late August and certainly hope into September as well. Good four-nothing win, clean win, well pitched, good bullpen work, and uh, good early offense, and really uh, middle of the game offense from the Padres here today as well. Let's go downstairs and hear some post-game reaction. Let's take a trip down to the Padres clubhouse and hear from Padres manager Bob Melvin. Presented by Sinley Food. Find your next cooking adventure at Sinley Food, 4665 El Cajon Boulevard. The Cook's Asian resource. Bob, obviously every win important at this point. Does it resonate a little bit more possibly against a Cy Young Award winner like you did today? I think regardless who we were playing and where we were at, this is probably as much of a win as we had this year. So, I mean, look, it... it all of them are important now in the position that we put ourselves in, but against these guys, to lose two out of three would have been even a tougher road. Seth Lugo once again giving you a, a great outing, back-to-back yeah. outings now with no runs, I mean, just like, aggressive as usual, typical Seth outing? Yeah, aggressive. You know, he tweaked the slider a little bit, curveball, mixing his pitches up a little bit, obviously up and down both sides. Had really good stuff today. You know, we've seen him pitch like this quite often, and, this one was, we needed a big outing out of them. We needed, you know, to get some momentum starting the game. We score a run. It feels like, you know, we're in pretty good position with him on the mound, and then we added on, but it all started with Seth today. 
As far as Robert's situation, it's clear what, what happened, but what can you tell us details of what the umpires were telling you? Yeah, I was out there late. I took a bad time to go to the restroom. Um, but he just, when I got out there, they said that they felt like it was too sticky. And, you know, we're looking into it right now. That's all I can give you. Is there an appeal process or is it an automatic suspension or what, what happens from here? Uh, there is an appeal process. I think it's the player that has to appeal it, not the team. So we're still, we're, we're looking into all these things at this point. If it turns out that you are missing him for 10 days, that's kind of a setback at this point. It is. Tom Cosgrove's got it. and Yeah, we just, you know, Barlow's been pitching well. We have we have guys down there to, to overcome it. Obviously, he's a big, big piece for us. But, um, you know, similar to an injury, sometimes you just have to move on and other guys have to step up. What were they saying was sticky, the glove or the hand or what? what? Uh, the, to me, it was the hand. So... That that's what I had, and like I said, I was out there a little bit late, but um, you know, that just said to me the hand was too sticky. Back to Lugo, he's kind of, I mean, he's pitched more innings than he has in the past, yeah. and, and he seems to be kind of getting stronger late in the season. What has allowed him to to do what he's done this late in the season when he hasn't been in this role in five six years? I think it's mindset. You know, from the very first day that he knew he was going into the rotation. He didn't want to hear about innings. He didn't want to hear about limits. He didn't want to hear about anything like that. Now, he's a reliever that pitches multiple innings, and you know he's, he's gotten a few innings under his belt more so than some relievers, but it was just more mindset and conviction what he was doing. And from the very start, I, I don't know if the IL stint helped that or whatever to kind of reset, but he, he wanted nothing to do with talking about an innings limit. I know there are a lot of factors that go into this, but could he – go the distance as a starter now, given how far along he is and how good he looks? I, I don't see why not. I mean, here we are almost to September, and he did have that little, I don't say it's a break, but he had a little, you know, time off with the with the IL. Maybe that helps too. Uh, you're halfway through this stretch where you had, I think, 26 games in 27 days. Now that you're kind of at this halfway point, how do you view the task ahead, the challenge of, of making up the ground that you guys know you need to make up and, and with the guys that you have going forward? Yeah, it's daunting. But today would have been we lose today, but much more so. So I think with an off day tomorrow, and now we got some tough series coming up too. Um, you know, it's it's not it's still doable, but you know we're later on the season. We know we have to win series, we have to win games, we have to put together a streak, and um, you know hopefully that's coming soon. Hey Bob, in this up and down perplexing season, when you have such a rock solid game like this, do you ever let your mind travel to be like? Why can't we just do this every game? Uh, yes, um, and I think everybody does. You know, two nights ago we were saying the same thing, and then last night, different story. So it's about putting together, you know, multiple games in a row, which we're capable of doing. Just at this point in time, we haven't. So we are where we are, and we just have to understand that we have to play better going forward. But every now and then, certainly crosses your mind, as it does everybody, that, you know, where are these games a little bit more consistently? That was Padres manager Bob Melvin from down by the clubhouse here after this 4-0 win against the Marlins. We'll touch on a couple of things that Bob Melvin had to say there. Let's first pause for Station ID on the Padres radio network. KWFNFM and KWFNHD1 San Diego. This is Joe Musgrove. You're listening to Padres baseball on the Padres radio network. Always live on the free Odyssey app. Sam Levitt with you here inside the loft at the Western Metal Building at Petco Park. Padres beat the Marlins here today 4-0 in this series finale. They take two of three from the uh, from the fish, that is. And they also 
finish up the homestand five and five. Could have been better after winning two out of three against the Orioles, but certainly could have been worse as well. You heard Bob Melvin talk about the importance of this win and, you know, essentially called it one of, if not uh, their biggest win of the year. Uh, And look, every game they play right now with where they are and the run that's required for them to get a wild card spot, go to the postseason, well, every game is really important for them. And they have a very, very important uh, three-game series coming up in Milwaukee Over the weekend, starting on Friday, they'll enjoy a day off uh, tomorrow in Milwaukee and then begin that road trip on on, uh, Friday. By the way, the Padres will, uh, at the moment after this win, be five and a half games out of a wild card spot. But we'll see where they end up at the end of tonight. A lot of teams still playing. Uh, Cincinnati is in the midst of game one of a doubleheader in Anaheim right now. They have another game in that doubleheader. Uh, some other teams uh, still to, to play, and we'll have a full look at the out-of-town scoreboard. But at the moment, Padres five and a half out and 61 and 67 on the season. So like we've said for a long time now, first goal probably should be getting back to 500, and then you go from there. Because obviously getting back to 500, that would seem to be a requirement for the Padres if they truly uh, want to make a run at this thing. Touch on a, a few things that Bob Melvin talked about there. You heard a little bit more about the ejection of Robert Suarez. It sounds like we're still trying to, to sort out what exactly the umpires saw there. You heard Bob Melvin say, uh, he, he, you know, they told him that it was his hand, that his hand was too sticky. Um, again, what, what exactly does that mean? What was on the hand? How sticky was the hand? We often see uh, these, uh, these uh, pitchers, you know, complain and argue. It, it didn't look like Suarez put up much of an argument from what I could see. Um but it is what it is. I mean, forgetting even today, Padres won the game. They figured it out. Tom Cosgrove did a great job coming in on short notice and putting together a one, two, three, eighth inning. The bottom line is not having Robert Suarez potentially now. And I mean, I, I say potentially, but unless something different happens here from what we've seen and he wins some sort of a, a personal appeal against the suspension, he's not going to be available. For 10 games and that's a, a big loss for the bullpen for as important as he's been to the bullpen since coming back and and as we know uh, when he's right and when he's on he's really really good and he's been pretty good here for the most part since coming back from the injury so not having Robert Suarez uh, that is uh, uh, certainly uh, a big loss for the Padres if he does indeed serve that 10 game automatic suspension uh, for getting ejected due to uh, an illegal substance uh, apparently uh, before that eighth inning began. You heard uh, Bob Melvin talk a lot there about Seth Lugo. We'll dive a little bit deeper into Lugo's outing on the other side of our next break. And then he, he was asked there about these kinds of games, these nice clean wins, and, you know, if it makes his mind wander and, and think, can it always be this easy? Well, no baseball season is, is you know, easy throughout. It's a long season. You have ups and, and downs. You have those ups and downs many times night to night, good games, bad games. But, I mean, these are the types of wins the Padres need. I mean, having good, clean wins, and we'll go back through our keys to the game here today, but capitalizing on starting pitching was one thing I talked about today. And the other thing I talked about was the big four having to do more. Tatis, Soto, Machado, and Bogarts, and wouldn't you know, all four runs scored today by San Diego, they all were on RBIs by one out of those four players. So that was a big part of this game. Lugo, a big part of this game, and a lot to break down and discuss as the Padres win it 4 nothing against Miami. When we come back, we talk more about Seth Lugo's outing, plus out-of-town scoreboard, more of our daily awards. We have plenty of time for phone calls. Again, I'm going to take you a long way here. I don't know that we'll go 
all the way up until 6 p.m. Uh, that may quite honestly be up to you. If you want to call in and we are just flowing with phone calls, then uh, and I, I think we will. Um, then we may take all the way up until 6 p.m., but we got nothing on the other side of me. Gwen and Chris, uh, they uh, will rejoin you tomorrow. I, I believe I've got to check in on their, their Twitters. I believe Scraby and Ello are, are in Las Vegas. They're on the way to Las Vegas, so we'll update you on their whereabouts. But uh, it's just me uh, the rest of today here on 97.3 The Fan and the Padres Radio Network. So we have plenty of time. Extended edition of our postgame show as the Padres win it 4-0 against Miami. We'll dive deeper into Seth Lugo's outing and much more to come after this on the Padres Radio Network. Our postgame show continues here on the Padres Radio Network. Final score here tonight. Padres, not tonight, today, that is 4-0. Padres beat the Miami Marlins on this Wednesday afternoon here at Petco Park. Sam Levitt with you inside the Western Metal Building here in downtown San Diego. Petco Park clearing out, but uh, me and you on the radio side of things for a while here. Uh, we'll take you for a while. I don't know that we'll get all the way to 6 p.m. This was a short game, 2:23. Be honest with you, I was... Knowing nothing was after me today, I was sort of hoping maybe Padres and Marlins could play a bit of a longer game. I know nobody wants to hear that, especially in the uh, broadcaster media realm of things, and I'm sure the players as well. Like, nobody likes long games anymore, but uh, we've got a lot of time, uh, me and you, here on the radio side of things. So, a lot to do. We'll talk uh, more about this game, more about what the Padres are doing this upcoming uh, series against the Milwaukee Brewers. I will pass along the rotation for the Padres uh, uh, in Milwaukee. It is interesting. Friday, it'll be right-hander Hugh Darvish. Saturday, right-hander Pedro Avila. And then Sunday, right-hander Michael Waka. So the notable element there is that Avila is slated now to start against the Brewers on Saturday, not Rich Hill. So you would presume, and we found this out a couple of days ago, that Rich Hill has been available out of the bullpen. Now, it doesn't sound like he's just going to come in for one inning. It's more going to be a, a long man scenario type of thing. Uh, you wonder if we could see him pop up on Saturday in that game with Avila. But uh, Avila getting rewarded for what has been really, really good work, and he will make that start on Saturday against the Brewers. So that is the update for you there. And we'll uh, preview that series in its entirety, the full starting pitching matchups coming up a little bit later here on the postgame show on the Padres Radio Network. Again, the Padres win it 4 nothing against the Marlins. Let's tell you about our ace pitcher of the game. Which pitcher was dealing today? Let's find out who's today's ace pitcher of the game. Brought to you by the Grilling Store at Hillcrest Ace Hardware. From Traeger and Weber to the Big Green Egg. All your grilling and barbecue needs are inside the Grilling Store at Hillcrest Ace Hardware. Suno to Solaire. Curveball swing and a miss. Brought him down to his knees. Literally almost came out of his shoes there. 2-0. Looking to do some damage. Yeah, I think he was looking for that curveball, just spun him into the ground. That's how good a stuff Seth Lugo had in this game here today. He was great. Six shutout innings, three hits allowed, a walked one, struck out four. His second consecutive outing of six scoreless innings. Lugo throwing 93 pitches, 54 of those 
for strikes, and he continues to be pretty solid since coming off the IL in late June. And really, aside from a couple of outings, you look at the outing against the Dodgers, where that fourth inning really went badly, gave up eight earned runs in that start, and five earned runs given up against Philadelphia on the road on July 16th. But really, aside from those two, I mean, he's been pretty good since coming off the IL and here today was great had great movement on his pitches when he got in trouble in this game he was able to work out of it and Seth Lugo our ace pitcher of the game no doubt about it here today his fifth win of the season and taking a look at what Lugo has done since coming off the IL again the numbers a little bit higher due to the uh, due to the, uh, the the blow up against uh, the Dodgers and, and all of that, and you know a not so good outing in Philadelphia, but still even with that, he's got a three four six ERA in twelve starts since returning from the IL with that calf injury. So he's been very very solid for this team, and, and it's been like that for a while. You look at his last uh, three starts. Five innings, two earned runs given up against Arizona. Six scoreless innings against Arizona. Six scoreless innings here today. There was the one bad start where it just went so wrong in the fourth inning against L.A. on August 7th. But before that, seven innings, two earned runs given up against Colorado. Seven innings, two earned runs given up against Pittsburgh. Another quality start. Six innings, two runs against Detroit. I mean, he's been very, very solid. And keep in mind, the other part of this, and and look, we've talked about it before with Seth Lugo, the question for Seth entering this season, to me, wasn't whether he could be effective as a starter. This is a guy who's been, for the most part, very effective over the years, mostly as a reliever with the Mets, had had some opportunities to start and wanted an opportunity to start. That was part of the reason, obviously, he signed in San Diego. He was going to be given that opportunity to me, the question with Seth was never, could he be really effective? He's got great stuff. We knew that. The question was, how long could he do it for? And this is a guy that, keep in mind, had never thrown more than 101 innings in a season. And the last time he did that, Seth Lugo, 101 innings, was all the way back in 2018. I mean, keep in mind, he only threw 65 last year, 46 innings the year before, the shortened season of 2020, 36 innings, 2019, 80 innings, and then 17 and 18, he had exactly 101 and a third innings. And that was because he started a handful of games, really more than a handful in 2017. He made 18 starts, but he made five starts uh, in 2018, and he also made uh, 54 total appearances in that season. So I-, I say all that to point out, even entering today, he was at 103 innings and a third So he's already passed entering today where he's ever been in his career as far as innings pitched. And now he's uh, at about 110 after this start here today. So the, the one silver lining about the calf injury was this, was that it gave him a break. It gave him an innings break in the middle of the season, something you weren't planning, but you could argue has kept him fresher down the stretch here. And maybe, maybe part of the reason why he continues to be so effective. So, look, Lugo, for the most part, has been really, really good. So has Michael Waka. I think those two signings have been really, really good for this team. I mean, they they really have. And um, those two guys deserve a lot of credit for what they've uh, come in and done, and they've battled through some injury as well, and both continue to be really effective. And the starting pitching for this team continues to be remarkably effective. Today, this start, was the Padres' National League-leading 59th quality start. 
The Padres, unfortunately, are now 37-22 and 22 in those starts, a record that you hope would be better when you're getting a quality outing. But their starting pitching has been so good all year. It really has. And look, when all is said and done, barring the Padres making a tremendous run here in the final 30-plus games, it will be one of the more mystifying aspects of this season if they do not make the postseason. The fact that the starting pitching really from wire to wire was so good and so consistent and the record wasn't better. Now we'll see if the Padres can make that kind of run. They've got a ton of work to do. Even after a series win against Miami, they're still six games below 500. There is an enormous amount of work to be done. And quite frankly, they have to play a type of baseball for some sort of extended stretch that we just haven't seen them do this year. But the starting pitching has been really good. And Lugo and Waka have been a, a very, very, very significant part of that. So he was very good today, and uh, credit to Seth Lugo. Very, very good outing against a good Miami lineup, uh, a lineup that has done some good things, a lineup that uh, has shown an ability to come back in games this season, and uh, he shut him down here today. And the Padres also getting to Sandy Alcantara, who despite a rough start to his season here in 2023 after winning the Cy Young last year, uh, got off to a tough start in 22, but he had been a lot, lot better as of late. But they got to him early, the run in the first inning, Good job of the Padres uh, taking advantage of a leadoff double by Ha-Sung Kim. And then Bogarts, the home run in the sixth inning. Fernando Tatis Jr., two-run single in the seventh inning. That was the way the Padres scored all the runs on their end in today's game as they go on to win this game 4 to nothing over Miami. All right, a lot to do on our post-game show still. We'll take a break. We'll come back, give out more of our daily awards. We'll also take a look at the out-of-town scoreboard. And uh, later on, we'll also hear from Bob Melvin again. We'll replay his press conference later. Again, we have a lot of time here, uh, you and me on the radio side of things here on the Padres Radio Network. Wynn and Chris are off today. Tony is on the way to Milwaukee with the Padres. And Gwyn and Chris, uh, well, I should say really, Scraby and Hello, from what I understand, they are in Las Vegas. They are broadcasting tomorrow from Circa Las Vegas. So Chris and Scraby are in Las Vegas. How about that? In fact, I'm looking at Scraby's Twitter right now. He's in a limo? What's going on here? What? They're in a limo? Wow. Must be nice. Well, they're not at Petco Park. That's where I am. Anyway, they'll talk to you tomorrow. You've got me the rest of the afternoon into the evening here today. Padres win it 4-0 against the Marlins. We do have a ton of time for phone calls, so I'm going to be honest with you. How long I go here on this post-game show is very, very much going to be dictated by your phone calls. You call in, you've got good things to talk about, we're having a good time. May keep on rolling until 6. If you don't call in, well, you may not. So, listeners, fans, I'm, I'm putting this on you here today let's see what you can do phone number 833-288-0973 coming back with much more Padres win it for nothing over the Marlins back after this on the Padres radio network Break. all 
Our postgame show continues here on the Padres Radio Network. Sam Levitt with you here inside at the loft at the Western Metal Building at Petco Park. As we wrap this one up, Padres win it 4-0 over the Miami Marlins. We have plenty of time here on our postgame coverage. I'm going as long as I can here today. We'll take your phone calls coming up. 833-288-0973, the phone number if you want to get involved that way. Again, 833-288-0973. If you want to get involved on social media, you can tweet at me at Sammy Lev, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. You can also hit me up on Instagram, Sammy Lev there too, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. If you want to tweet me your thoughts about this game, where the Padres are at as they head on a six-game, seven-day road trip to Milwaukee and St. Louis. Tweet at me, Instagram DM me, TikTok message me at Sammy Levitt, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V-I-T-T. Let me know what you're thinking. May just interact with your tweet or your DM or your message live here on the air. And again, phone calls coming up in just a little bit. Uh, A good part about this game for the Padres as well, beyond the 4-0 win, Uh, for the Padres over the Marlins, is this. They did win the season series against Miami with this win. So, look, uh, let's be real here. They've got a ton of work to do, okay, to to grab a wild card spot. We all understand that. But, I mean, not the worst thing in the world to take two out of three from Miami. They won four out of six against Miami this year. That means that they hold the tiebreaker against the Marlins if, Let's say these two teams tied for a final spot, and that tiebreaker is really, really important. So winning the season series with the win here today, uh, certainly a piece of good news for the Padres. Look, in the big picture, obviously they've got a ton of work to do here, and they've got to play a whole lot better than they've played through uh, 127, 128 games here uh, to begin the year. But uh, time is ticking. They've got a little time left, not a ton of time left. Uh, We'll see if they can keep it rolling against uh, Milwaukee beginning on Friday and again the starting pitching matchups on Friday Saturday and Sunday in Milwaukee right-hander Hugh Darvish on the mound against right-hander Brandon Woodruff on Friday it will be like we told you earlier right-hander Pedro Avila on Saturday against right-hander Freddie Peralta and then Sunday it'll be who will it be let's see what did I write down here Michael Waka on Sunday against Adrian Hauser. So, again, the pitching matchups, Darvish against Woodruff on Friday, then Avila against Peralta Saturday, and then it's Waka against Hauser on Sunday. So that's the way things look for the series beginning in Milwaukee on Friday. Phone calls coming up in just a bit. First, let's tell you about our relief pitcher of the game. Which pitcher was able to come in and slam the door shut? It's time for the relief pitcher of the game in support of the Jacobs and Cushman San Diego Food Bank, providing food assistance to local children, families, and seniors in need. To get help or give help, visit SanDiegoFoodBank.org. 2-2 is swung on and missed. Strike three, a 1-2-3-8, turned in by Tom Cosgrove, and he caps it with a K. Our relief pitcher of the game, Tom Cosgrove, scored the inning 1-2-3 in the eighth. He threw a grand total of just 12 pitches in that inning. Good work by Cosgrove, who continues this great rookie year, a 1-6-9 ERA in 38 appearances, 37 and a third innings, 32 Ks, 14 walks, 0-9-6 whip, 172 opponent batting average. Cosgrove has been really, really good. And he's looked a little bit sharper than he looked for, for a while 
early in August and, you know, in, into July, some less walks, less base runners. He's, he's looking a little bit sharper and more like the guy when he first came up. So that's been good to, to see. And look, as a rookie, he's had 38 appearances. He's got a 1690 already. He's had, he's had a great year. He really has. I mean, really, no matter how this year ends, Tom Cosgrove has been a good story for the Padres, a homegrown product up to the major leagues and really contributing out of the bullpen. And uh, certainly you would imagine at the start of next year would be in this bullpen. So he's made a name for himself. Good for Tom. But it's not only his performance here today, why he's really for the game, because Stephen Wilson had a scoreless inning. I mean, Josh Hader had to get out of a bases loaded jam in the ninth inning in a non-save situation, but facing the tying run at the plate a couple of times, struck out both Garrett Hampson and Yuli Goriel, the two pinch hitters to end the game. But here's why Cosgrove, to me, is sort of a lock for relief pitcher of the game today. He had to replace Robert Suarez, who entered out of the bullpen, Got the substance check like they always do now from the umpires, and he was ejected. Still waiting to, to hear if there's any more info or any quotes we can give you from Robert Suarez from inside the clubhouse. But uh, he was ejected, a legal substance apparently, and uh, he will likely serve a 10-game suspension now as part of that. So he was ejected before he even threw a warm-up pitch, and Cosgrove had to come in. Warm up quickly out of nowhere and, you know what, put together a very quick and easy one, two, three inning. So for that reason, the performance, the late notice, all of it having to come in in a, in a, in a tough spot after what happened to Suarez, that is why Tom Cosgrove is our relief pitcher of the game here today. Now let's tell you about our player of the game. Which player had the biggest impact on today's game? Let's find out who is today's player of the game. Presented by Valley View Casino and Hotel. Catch every game at Patties and Pints. Plus, enjoy $4 beer every Thursday. Visit valleyviewcasino.com today. Stallings goes. The payoff pitch. Swung on and missed. Strike three. Came back to the curve and got him. Second strikeout of the day for Lugo. And he's gotten Solaire twice. Seth Lugo will be both our ace pitcher and player of the game here today on the Padres radio network. He was great. Six scoreless innings. When he got in trouble, found a way out of it. So Lugo, terrific once again. 93 pitches total. His second straight outing of six scoreless innings. He is our player of the game here today. You look at Lugo's outing, and then we'll move on to your phone calls, but something I didn't mention earlier, just the, the trouble he got into, the second inning, leadoff single for Jazz Chisholm, has an error behind him, runners on first and second, zoom in away, gets out of it with a fielder's choice off the bat of Wendell. Then in the fifth inning, deals with runners on first and third, strikes out Solaire. At that point, it's only a one nothing game, and a big strike out of Solaire, power hitter in a big spot, and then works around a leadoff single in the sixth inning. So when he did have base traffic, found a way to work through it, and uh, all in all, a very, very good outing for Seth Lugo here today. By the way, an update for you uh, on the out-of-town scoreboard, and we will have the full out-of-town scoreboard coming for you later. Uh, Angels apparently have scratched Shohei Otani. Well, you know what? I, I take that back. I don't know that it was a scratch. Let me do a little digging here before I get this wrong because this was a couple of hours ago now that I'm just seeing to be honest with you um before we get to your calls I, I'm sorry this is not great radio but I already started talking about it so we're going to look it up together all right we're a one-man show 
here on the post game on the Padres radio network. Where is this box score? There it is. When did Otani come out? So he started today. We knew that. We talked about it pregame. Otani started game one, and then he came out after just an inning and a third. And I'm just reading a tweet here from uh, Odyssey MLB insider Bob Nightingale saying the Angels announced that Shohei Otani is out of the game with arm fatigue. So interesting, you know, for, for as good as Otani has been, and he's been remarkable. I mean, he's going to be the MVP, and he's going to make a lot of money, certainly in the offseason, and rightfully so. He's terrific, and he's amazing, and he's, you know, once in a generation. I will say this, though. He has had a, a number of sort of fatigue issues and in, arm in, you know, and just, you know, the blister stuff pop up here in the second half of the season. I guess my concern is this, if I'm a team signing Shohei Otani, and we've got plenty of time, like I said, so maybe you want to weigh in on the phones with this. You know, who knows? Maybe the Padres make a run at Otani. Wouldn't be all that surprising, would it? Um, You know, if you lose him due to injury or fatigue or whatever, you know, you're basically losing not only a great starting pitcher, but also your best power hitter and maybe your best hitter period on the team. I mean, your most important player, you lose him in both senses. So while he's terrific, you know, with with being able to do both, and it's worth the money in that sense, you know, if he does suffer injuries and anything really bad, you, you lose two players in one, essentially. So a little risky that way, maybe. But, look, he's, he's incredible. He's going to get a lot of money from somebody. I don't know what team that's going to be, but it's going to be somebody, and, who knows, right? Padres have shown they can spend money and and go get guys if they want them. So um, we'll see. And uh, we can talk about Otani if you want to talk about Otani or really anything Major League Baseball related. But certainly an intense focus on the San Diego Padres as well. Postgame show continues here on the Padres Radio Network. My name is Sam Levitt inside the Western Metal Building here at Petco Park as the Padres win it 4 nothing against Miami. Phone number 833-288-0973. Let's lead things off on the phones today. We go to La Mesa. It's Brandon on the Padres Radio Network. Hi, Brandon. Oh, I'm so honored. First, first dibs. Thanks, Sammy. Yes, yes, congratulations. I'm doing all right. Beautiful day at Petco Park. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Brandon. The day games after night games, they're uh, they're tough. I got a lot of work to do after getting done very late, so I'm here very early. But uh, all good. We got a day off tomorrow to reset. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. At least you got tomorrow off. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Big fingers crossed. Uh, looking at this weekend, you know, going into next week. Uh, going on this road trip we're gonna have to win at least four if not five and mm-hmm. you know not more games to try to climb back out of this uh, i appreciate all the kind things you're saying about cosgrove i totally agree uh, he's kind of become a staple in our bullpen now we can really rely on and might be yeah. having to be relied on a little bit more with this suarez sticky situation yeah. that we, it seems to maybe find ourselves in um, I had a couple questions. I was curious on if you've got an update on Musgrove's mm-hmm. uh, return, if it's looking like he is going to maybe, in fact, come back mid-September like they were talking about, or if maybe he's had any setbacks on that. And I uh, just wanted to see kind of what your feel is for this team moving forward in the next couple weeks based off the schedule that we got going on. Sure. Yeah, Brandon, I'll touch on both points and appreciate the phone call. Uh, the update on Joe is this. He is scheduled to play catch on Friday. That is the latest we know. 
Um, I do know they are going to be very, very cautious with him here. They are, they are not trying to rush Joe, no matter what their situation is. And look, that is the right way to go about it. He is far, far too important to this team and the organization's future. Okay, not just this year, but in the years to come, to rush him at all. And I think they are going to take it very, very cautiously. With Joe, he is playing catch on Friday. That's what the schedule was. We found that out earlier this week. And he'll do that, I believe, a handful of times, and then they'll they'll go from there. But that's going to be the first time he's thrown since being shut down for the few weeks uh, with dealing with the, uh, the shoulder issue. So that's the update on Joe. Um, you know, I, I know he's feeling good, um, which is, is good to hear. But that's what we got. Uh, here, here, again, what I will tell you is I, I just think they're going to be very, very cautious with him. And, you know, look, does their situation come mid-September if they can get him back? Does that affect what they do with them? Maybe. You know, if they're out of it, could you see a scenario where Joe doesn't pitch again this year? I, I don't know. I don't even want to get there. And, and quite frankly, I don't, I don't know what the answer is to that. But I do know this, they are going to be very, very cautious with him. They do not want to rush him back because that could that could lead to further issue. And again, with where they are, he, he's far too important to this organization to rush him, okay? Um, so we'll see. The first step, apparently on Friday, he's going to play catch. And you go from there. But I, I do know they are not going to rush him back. But that is the update on Joe. He's playing catch on Friday. Um, as far as the schedule, look, Brandon, it's the same thing we've talked about for a while. Look, this is right in front of them if they want it. Now they've got to play a totally different type of baseball for an extended stretch to make a run at this thing. But is it doable if they decide to play the kind of baseball we, we all think from a talent standpoint, they're capable of, they haven't shown it, but they're capable of, um, yeah, it is. And it's doable for a couple of reasons. Um, Number one, they have a lot of games left against teams that are in front of them in this wild card race. And overall, the schedule is not all that daunting. Now, you say that, and let's be real here for a second. They themselves, the Padres, are six games below 500. So when I say not as daunting, I say that with the caveat that they have not been very good against teams, the teams that they should, quote-unquote, should beat up on this year it's been the opposite right they've been better against the good teams okay the teams like the orioles and the rangers and the rays i mean think about some of the teams they've won series from this year the rays and the orioles and the rangers and the braves i mean they they've won series against some really good teams i mean this is a team that took three of four in atlanta in april I mean, it's easy to forget that. They took three of four from Atlanta in April. Did they face Atlanta at home? It's such a long year, I can't even remember. Yeah, they did. Then they lost two two or three at home. But they had a winning record against the Braves this year. And how good are they? So, look, it's been weird in that sense. And it's been part of what has been so tough to figure out about this team. But, But here's the deal. The Padres, including today... Okay, including today's game, 11 of their 14 games were against teams that are also in the playoff race in the NL. One here today against Miami, three at Milwaukee, three at St. Louis. They're not really in it, but 
you know, a team that has not played well at all this year. Four against San Francisco, crucial series there, three against Philadelphia. So that next homestand against San Francisco and Philly, it, yeah, it's critical. Another critical homestand for this team, much like this stretch against the Diamondbacks and the Marlins was really important. Didn't go the way you really wanted it to, but very important games. So they have these teams in front of them that are, for the most part, all ahead of them in the wild card race. But even beyond that, here's the interesting thing about their schedule. Their remaining schedule, the Padres' remaining schedule, is the easiest in the NL. The lowest winning percentage combined of any schedule in the NL starting today at 478. Now, again, we say that with the caveat that they themselves are six games below 500. But the schedule by wins, by quality of teams, is not difficult. So we continue to look at it for as rough a year as it's been and say that this is in front of them if they want it. Can they play that kind of baseball for an extended stretch? Can they build momentum day-to-day, week-to-week? Those are the key questions. Is there a late run in this team? We'll see. But the opportunity is still there with 30-plus games left just based on the schedule. Again, Milwaukee for three, St. Louis for three, back home four against San Francisco, three against Philadelphia. Then on the road, this is a tough trip, three against Houston, three against L.A. So that's the real hard part there, September 8th to the 13th. But here is where it really softens up. And this is where, if the Padres could be, I don't know, two, three games out, play some good baseball, this is where you could start dreaming a little bit. Three at Oakland, three against Colorado at home, three more against St. Louis at home, three against San Francisco, three against the White Sox to end the year on the road. I mean, that's Oakland in there, Colorado in there, St. Louis in there, White Sox. I mean, they have out of their last one, two, three, four, five series, uh, aside from San Francisco, they've got four bad teams out of the last five they face. So is the schedule set up well for them? Yeah, it is. Can they do what's required? I don't know. I don't know. That is the key question. That is the question of this season. Will there be a run, or will this year kind of be what it is and be what it's been? That is the key question. We go to Ocean Beach. It's Gonzo. Gonzo, my friend, you're on the Padres Radio Network. How are you? I'm doing it right, Sammy. Hey, a win's a win, huh? Hey, a win is a win. Better than a loss, no doubt. For sure. Uh, what I was going to bring up, you totally just capped on it right now. Um so, like, I was thinking all the little those little in-between games that we're expecting to do better than getting shut out, they're all catching up to bite us, you know, from, from behind right now. And I know that you said that we have the easiest out. Thank goodness we start with Milwaukee, and according to the stats, we should be playing better against Milwaukee, and hopefully we can just uh, keep it up against the rest of the teams, correct? Right. Yeah, no, look, Gonzo, it's a good point. I mean, look, you know, it's funny. I tweeted out earlier 
um, when I when I saw this stat, I tweeted out that the Padres did have the easiest remaining schedule in the National League by combined winning percentage, right? What I just talked about. And you have got to see the responses to this tweet. I mean, people are crushing me. And all I did was point something out. They're crushing me on Twitter. And they're saying, well, that's like the last thing I want to hear because they haven't played well against those teams. And I get it. But look, I... I'd rather, if I'm the Padres, I'd rather play. I'd still rather play those teams than have a schedule full of, you know, Dodgers, Braves, you know, uh, whatever. You know, take your pick of really good teams. I, I still got to think that's a positive. But Gonzo, look, you're, you're right. I mean, you know, they have not fared well against teams like that. Generally, they, they are, you know, here, here's the bottom line, Gonzo. They are going to have to um, play. You know, just a very different type of baseball in a lot of ways. If they want to go on this run, they have to play a lot better in close games. They've got to do way better at coming from behind. Look, it's the same thing we were saying 30, 40 games ago, and it just it's the same thing right now. They, they've got to play a very, very excellent brand of baseball, and that includes against these teams that hypothetically, by a talent standpoint, they should beat. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Gonzo. How do you appreciate feel about the call. Cooper? Yeah. Cooper, uh, you know, Cooper, yeah, look, he, he's, he's had, the best he, better we had today. And yeah, I you know what, look, yeah, Gonzo, uh, yeah, Cooper, and thank you for the call, Gonzo, as always. Uh, Cooper, you know, has it, done some good things so far. He had two hits today, had a run scored so far in his time with the Padres. He's eight for 32. It's 250. He's got a home run, a couple of RBIs, four doubles. I mean, he's been pretty good, been pretty good. You know, defensively, he's been all right. He had uh, the misplay that caused Fernando to get an error yesterday. That wasn't great. But, you know, has he tore the cover off the ball? Has he had the same kind of impact that, you know, a guy like Bale and Berger have had for Miami after the trades? No, not quite. But he's been pretty good. You know, he's been pretty good. I, I certainly think when you when you examine what their DH situation was, um, you know, look, I, I think there was an upgrade to be made there, and I do think Cooper to this point has at least been a little bit of an upgrade. So in that sense, uh, yeah, I think he's been pretty good so far. Let's go to Luis calling in from National City. Hi, Luis. Hi, you doing, sir. Good afternoon. Doing well. I have a question to ask you. It's just something I, I heard in the morning this morning in Ben and Woods. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the subject that they brought up earlier today that if push comes to shove, that Kim should be the shortstop and making Bogart's first base? Yeah. What do you think? Uh, yeah, Luis, look, I, I, is Kim the best me, defensive shortstop? Yeah. To, yeah, go ahead. To me, no, I'm sorry. To me, it's, I mean, I don't think he's going to buy it. He, when he, when he was asked, sure, I'm a shortstop. That's me. Yeah. I love yeah, look, I, and I, I yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, Luis, I, I think um, I, I think you're you're on to something there. And thank you for the phone call. I I, I think you're on to something there. Look, is Hassan Kim the best defensive shortstop they have? He is. I mean, he's one of the best defenders in the game, point blank. He's that good. It's a big part of of the value he brings. When you look at these WAR leaderboards, and we talked about it yesterday on the pregame, when you look at these WAR leaderboards and you see the names Shohei Otani, Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna Jr., and then Hassan Kim. Entering yesterday, Ha Sung Kim in Major League Baseball, okay? Even if you have no idea what war is or means, he has the fourth highest in baseball behind the names Otani, 
Betts and Acuna. That's how good he's been this year. And part of that is the defense. That factors in in a big way to why it is what it is. Um, it's a good metric that shows you the value of Kim's defense. And you look at other metrics, and they're right up there too. Um, to your point, Luis, he's the best defensive shortstop they have. I, I don't think that's up for debate. Um, but I don't know how that conversation would go, would go with Xander. Um, you know, Xander signed a long deal here. I don't think he likely signed it thinking that he would be moved off shortstop the second year in. Um, you know, people like to throw around, oh, well, he could go play first base. He could go do this, go do that. I mean, A, easier said than done. And B, you've got to have buy-in from a guy that you give a huge And you need to be better next year. And you need to be a big impact player on this team. Um, I, I don't see it. Not next year. I, 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 I can't see a scenario to be totally honest with you, where you're having in year two of the deal, Xander Bogart, so you signed knowing he played shortstop, even though you had plenty of shortstops on the roster. I I really can't see a scenario where where that happens next year. In time, as he get it gets older, I think it's it's very plausible. Um, you know, is Xander gonna be a shortstop into his mid to late thirties? I don't know. I think that's where it really becomes the the question and and you're going to have to figure out, okay, well, you know, where do you play him and how do you keep him healthy and all that. But I, I have a really hard time believing that would happen next year. I do. I do. You know, and is Kim the best defensive shortstop on this team? He is. He's the best defender on this team. I mean, Fernando's given him, well, I don't want to say he's given him a run for his money. Fernando's been great and right. They play also two totally different positions. But Kim's excellent. He's excellent defensively. We know that. But I find it very, very hard to hard to see that next year that Xander would be off shortstop in year two of a deal like this but you never know you never know um look this is a team that has moved around a lot of parts to accommodate a lot of different things you know signing Xander and moving Cronenworth to first base and Kim to second and Fernando to right you know maybe Luis you're on you're on to something in the sense of maybe 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 I'm wrong Maybe if the Padres went to Xander in the offseason and said, this is our plan, we're going to move you offshore, we, we have a, a, a long-term vision of you being maybe a, a first baseman, um, uh, maybe. I, I just, I, I don't at this moment see it. I don't. I don't. And I don't know, maybe before, before the year's over, I'll ask Xander that. Um, but I thought it was pretty clear when he signed that he saw himself as the shortstop of this team. And... That was the understanding when he signed. So I, I just, this quickly into the deal, I I find it hard to believe that that would be the case next year. But you never know. Could be wrong. Who knows? You know, uh, stranger things have happened. This, this team, uh, <laughs> they have certainly moved pieces before. So would I be shocked if they did it again? I guess not. Let's go to... Spring Valley, it's Adam on the Padres post-game show. Hi, Adam. Hey, Sammy. Uh, hey. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of bring up the fact that, you know, the talent is here for this team. I mean, there's there's no question in the talent and the ability that these guys have. You can, you can put them basically wherever you want. You want to move Bogarts around. You want to move Kim around. The infield guys that we have are more than capable. The, the real issue with this team is – 
the analytics department, and particularly on the on the hitting front, and whatever kind of information that the hitters are getting, because you know they're taking the information that the coaching staff or the offensive coordinators are giving them, and trying to go out there and utilize that in these ball games. But uh, but you can have all the answers to the test, but if the answers to the test that that you're being given are all wrong, that's where we're seeing a lot of these lulls. Uh, particularly against guys that are, um, you know, maybe they haven't seen. I mean, with, with, and that's why I feel against like some of the better pitchers. We've seen some of the better performances out of the guys, uh, you know, offensively. It's because they've seen these guys. They they kind of know how they're going to come at them, um, and they're they're able to. And you you've seen a lot better performances against known commodities versus unknown guys. And so I have real concerns about. You know, you can run this team back next year. I feel very confident in the talent. But yeah. what is this team going to really do when it comes to the analytics and the information they're feeding these guys? Yeah. Well, uh, appreciate the call. And, and look, I, I know there's been a lot of, of finger pointing in, in a variety of different directions. Look, it, it has been a mystery as to why the offense has been so inconsistent. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know the answer, and I think it's very easy to point at, you know, information. Are they getting the right information? What information are they getting? You know, I can only go off what I've been told and and what they've said publicly, and and that is that they are getting what they need. Um, Look, it has been interesting that against guys typically they haven't seen or that are young – or that are just struggling, (laughs) that they've had a lot of trouble against those guys. I I don't know. I don't know if that is a deeper issue. I don't know if that is just guys having bad years. I don't know if it's totally coincidence. I I really don't know. Um, And I think it's been part of the reason this has all been so mystifying this year. I mean, look, whatever you want to point to, there's no doubt that the offensive consistency has been a major, major issue. For this team and when you look at all the issues they face this year this this you know seesaw offense is is right there at the number one spot okay i mean just in the last 12 games okay i talked about this last night just in the last 12 games i'll read off some of their run and hit totals in the last 12 okay they had a game of no runs five hits that was against arizona they had a game of and pardon me, I had this all written down last night, but I think I threw away the piece of paper it was on. One run on four hits, a game against the Orioles on this homestand. They had a game of one run on three hits on this homestand. That was against the D-backs. They had another game, the second game of that doubleheader, one run on five hits against the D-backs. And then they had the game yesterday where they had three hits and no runs. Look, there have been five I can count out of the last 12 that have been those sort of performances that that have been so mystifying, where you're just like, what's going on? And why does this offense look so flat today when very often the day before it's been the opposite? Um, Look, I, I wish I had the answer. I don't think it's as easy necessarily as pointing to analytics or preparation i i think again it's a very 
easy finger to point. I mean, it's really an easy finger to point in, in any direction. If you want to blame it directly on the players, if you want to blame it on coaches, if you want to blame it on the manager, um, I don't know. And I won't sit here and pretend that I do. Um, but all I know is this, is that what happened this year, and well, it can't happen next year. So whatever that issue is, I mean, it, it's just got to get figured out for next year because there, there is, look, I'll, I'll agree with you in this sense, there is way too much talent in this offense to have nights like they had last night with the regularity they've had them. Why that is, I'm, I'm very hesitant to point fingers directly at one spot. I am because I, I really think it's, it's much more of a mix of, of reasons than that. Um, but there has clearly been an issue in consistency and why that is, um, they are going to have to really, you know, dig deep in what, whatever that means to, to make sure it doesn't happen again. Cause there's too much talent offensively and, um, it, look, if they want to be better next season and certainly not be in the spot they are right now on August 22nd, 61 and, uh, excuse me, uh, 61 and 67, yeah, they, they cannot have the same kind of offensive year with the stars they have in this lineup. All right, so we're continuing on here on our post-game show on the Padres Radio Network. Again, Sam Levitt with you inside the Western Metal Building here at Petco Park. We have an extended edition of our post-game show. And like I said earlier, um, this is really up to you here today, okay? I am allowed to go until 6 p.m. I don't have to go until 6 p.m. I'm, I'm being very transparent with you about what... Uh, what my uh what my deal is here i don't have to but i'm happy to talk padres baseball with you we will a little bit later play you bob melvin's post-game press conference again we do have more of our traditional post-game segments to get to including the out-of-town scoreboard and play of the game but uh, we'll just do phone calls uh bob melvin and uh, we'll replay my my one-on-one conversation with xander bogarts right after the game and we may even do the highlights again from the game for people just joining us uh, an extended edition of our post game show and many more of your phone calls coming as well we've got lit up phone lines so just be patient if you can't get through 833-288-0973 the phone number to call again 833-288-0973 if you want to call in um i've got tom in lucadia on twitter tweeting at me sammy listening right now only 65 minutes to go hang in there tom thank you thank you but i don't know i don't have to go 65 minutes we'll see that's up to you that's up to you up to your phone calls this is on the fans this is on the listeners we'll see all right Phone number again, 833-288-09. Twitter, Sammy Lev there, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. Instagram DMs open as well, Sammy Lev there too, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. For the TikTokers out there, Sammy Levitt, just add the I-T-T to the Sammy Lev. You can message me there. Let me know what you're uh, thinking about the Padres here on this Wednesday. We'll step aside. Much more to get to on our extended postgame show. Again, the final score, Padres 4, Marlins nothing. Back in a moment on the Padres Radio Network. Our postgame show continues here on the Padres Radio Network. Final score here today, Padres 4, Marlins nothing as the Padres take the rubber game of this three-game series. They win two out of three from Miami. They go 5-5 five and five on this 10-game homestand. Certainly wish it was better if you're a Padre fan, but I suppose it could have gone worse. They uh, right now are five and a half games out 
of the final wild card spot in the NL. Look, they've got a lot of work to do, as we know, sitting at 61 and 67 here on August 23rd. Day off tomorrow for the Padres. They'll enjoy it in Milwaukee. And then it's a six-game road trip against the Brewers Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at Bush Stadium in St. Louis, and that, uh, then uh, back home for a homestand after that. Sam Levitt with you on our postgame coverage from the Western Metal Building here at Petco Park. An extended postgame show, two-plus hour, maybe, postgame show. Like I've been saying, I can go to six, but that's up to you. you got to provide me with uh, phone calls and entertainment and interaction. The uh, solo postgame show is always here from inside the Western Metal Building. We will take a full look at the out-of-town scoreboard coming up in just a little bit, so stay tuned uh, for that. We're also going to play the highlights again from this game. So uh, for those of you just joining us, getting in the car after work, whatever you might be doing, we'll kind of do a, a, a reset of our typical postgame show and uh, that is, uh, we'll play the highlights again. We'll hear from Bob Melvin again. We'll play my interview with, with uh, Xander Bogarts after the game as well. So we have a lot to do, and uh, we'll keep you company here on the drive home. I always say late at night, typically on the postgame show, uh, especially here at home at Petco Park, uh, my goal is to be with you from the time you get in the car and when you get to your, your door, when you get home. And uh, get you home, bring you home. So same kind of mindset here on your drive home in rush hour on this Wednesday. Uh, we, we have a, a bunch of uh, of uh, rush hour post-game shows. But typically we're on uh, quite a bit later than, than this. So uh, if you've never joined us for our pregame post-game coverage here on the Padres Radio Network, welcome. We will take more of your phone calls here coming up. 833-288-0973. If you want to get involved on social media, you can do that as well. Tweet at me at Sammy Lev, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. Instagram DMs open as well if you want to get involved there. Tweet at me, DM me your thoughts about the game. Uh, about where the Padres are at right now as they embark on this six-game trip. Do have a DM here uh, from, oh, where is it? I lost it. I totally lost it. All right, I'm going to have to re-look through my uh, DMs later. Sorry about that. Thought I had it right in front of me. Lost it in the DMs on Instagram. We'll get to uh, the DMs and the tweets and all that good stuff coming up here in just a little bit. But right now, let's uh, go back to the phones. 833-288-0973. The phone number to call. Let's go to Allied Gardens. It's Matt. You're on the Padres Radio Network. Hi, Matt. Hi. Well, here's how simple this is. When you stand and look at so many perfect pitches down the heart of the plate, and especially on call strike threes. She can't swing the bat. You can't hit the ball. You cannot win. This is that simple. I don't know what these guys' problem are, but there's not another team in the entire league that looks at more perfect balls right down the heart. And you know it. You sit here, you watch every game. You see it every game, every, every, every game, especially that Grisham guy. I swear to God, he, he's got more than anyone in the league. That's the problem. You know, you don't swing the ball bat, you're not gonna hit the ball. Yeah. Simple. Well, look, yeah, look, look, Matt, it's it's and thank you for the phone call. Look, it's been a struggle for them offensively on many nights. There's no way around that. And and it's been a tough year for Trent. I mean, I'll I'll focus on him out of your call. Look, the the numbers have not been great. Two oh nine batting average, twelve home runs, forty RBIs, you know, that's after a year where he hit one eighty four. I mean, look, Trent plays great defense, but there's no doubt, back-to-back seasons, this is this has been a, a real tough couple of offensive seasons for him. 
you know, it looked like there for a little bit, and I'd have to go and, and kind of look at the numbers again and give you stretches, and I, I just don't have the capacity to do it right now. It looked like for a little bit like he was starting to come around and turn it on, but it, it's gone the other direction here lately. Um, you know, he hit 247 in June in a span of 81 at-bats. Uh, he only hit 200 in July. He's hitting 207 in August, and uh, the best month he had was that June at 247. So, uh, it, it has not been great lately, and, and again, I'd have to really kind of dive into his numbers here, and I don't have it in front of me to give you uh, his most recent stretch. I'm, I'm just looking at the game logs here, so so we have some sort of basis. I mean, if you just want to go really, really recent, and I'm literally doing this in real time, if you go back to the 18th of August, what's that? Let's see. 18th of August for Trent. Well, it's 1 for 12. It's not, it's not a huge sample size, but look, the numbers are the numbers overall, and um, look, it's no doubt that it's been a tough couple of years for him offensively. Now, the defense he brings, it, it, it is valuable. It is. Um, but, you know, it is going to be interesting to see how the Padres potentially address, you know, that spot moving forward. And we know Fernando has the ability to play center. Um, it, it is going to be interesting because for as good as the defense is, obviously the offense is, has been tough. Uh, for Grisham over these past couple of years. Let's go to, as I look at my uh, phone board here, trying to get a handle on things, let's go to Jeff calling in from Chula Vista. Hi, Jeff. You're on the Padres postgame show. What's up? How you doing, Sammy? Show is great as always. Thank you. appreciate you doing these things. Um, you got it. Yeah. So two comments. Number one, mm-hmm. Suarez, not happy. Mm-hmm. This substance abuse thing, if I can call it that, uh, is not acceptable at any time. He's left the team, uh, you know, vulnerable now because uh, we got one less guy in a bullpen, and uh, at least for the next 10 days, depending on how that comes out. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm more interested in placement of pitching instead of spin rate. And uh, it's it just, uh, I, I don't understand that. Uh, number two, and I'm an engineer, and I have to bring numbers up, but the way I see it, Pretty much the Padres have to go two and one, extrapolate that twenty and ten, twenty four and twelve, whatever, to make this thing in the playoffs. Because the other contenders, you know, they're not gonna go five if they go five hundred, that's good. They'll get in there if the Padres go twenty and ten. But they're not gonna go five hundred, they're probably gonna go above. It's gonna be freaking tough what they've left themselves at yeah, situation. No, no doubt. In. Yeah, no doubt, and thank you for the phone call. Look, no doubt. I mean, they've got a tall order ahead of them. Okay, uh, look, when I, you know, when I go through the schedule, and we did it earlier, and and I talk about them having by win percentage the the easiest schedule remaining in the NL. I, I am, and I I promise everybody, I'm not trying to, you know, live in fantasy land. Okay, they have got to do something pretty incredible here. Um, they're six games below 500. And beyond that, look, let's be honest, they have not shown the ability to string wins together, to string momentum together. They haven't been able to do it all year. Um, It is a very, very tall order to make up whatever it's going to be at the end of tonight, five and a half, six games in the span of just a little bit more than 30 games and have to leapfrog all the teams ahead of them. My only point is this, if, if they can somehow find it and get hot, and that's a big if, 
it is still right in front of them because of the schedule and the fact that they play so many teams in front of them still. And then to wrap up, have, have really, aside from, from one series in the final five, I mean, they play some bad teams down the stretch. So if you gave yourself a shot, if you gave yourself a shot, if you just played well, you'd have a shot. But look, there's no way around it. They've got an enormous amount of work to do. And by the percentages, is it likely? I mean, I don't know what, you know, I think fan graphs this morning, it was something like 11% as far as playoff percentage. And that goes up and down depending on, on how the teams are doing. But, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's certainly not, uh, I wouldn't call it likely, but is it possible? Yeah, of course. Of course. Do I think they have the talent to do it naturally? I do. Uh, do I think they have the starting pitching to do it? I do. They have not shown an ability to do it as a 26-man roster and as a group, and that's what it comes down to. Uh, look, your point on Suarez, yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Um, that is a big loss for 10 games at this time of year. And, again, I haven't seen anything tweeted, written about it. Unfortunately, we don't have sound coming from the clubhouse here today like we did last night. So I don't know if Robert uh, spoke or not after the game. I imagine he probably will um, or has already. Um, in fact, I'm reading some uh, – well, you know what? Let me let me correct this because I am reading something here from AJ Casville of MLB.com. And again, if you're just joining us, sometimes on the post game show, we uh, we we kind of do things. Uh, you know, I I, I I I get information as I get it, and I pass it along. Okay, it's a one man show here. Uh, AJ Casville, beat reporter, MLB.com, does a great job covering the Padres for a long time. Uh, he tweeted. Crew Chief Todd Tishner said upon inspection of Robert Suarez's left wrist, and this what this is what I thought. This is what I thought they were looking at. His left wrist, this is AJ, left wrist. Area was too sticky, this quote, too sticky, very sticky, and he was ejected. So that was the quote from Tishner. Too sticky, very sticky, and he was ejected. Suarez, this is AJ tweeting, Suarez contended he merely used the regular amount of sunscreen he uses during day games, adding I definitely don't use any illegal substances. So that is what Robert Suarez had to say after the game. Um, and then AJ also tweeting. This is uh, about 40 minutes ago, so I apologize. I didn't see this until now. Uh, AJ also tweeting, as of now, it's unclear whether Suarez will appeal his pending 10-game ban. Quote from Suarez, I'm just going to explore my options, see what options I have, and go from there. So, uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't think there's been a successful appeal of these sticky substance suspensions. Um, I would assume at this point that Suarez is going to have to serve the suspension. And, you know, was it just sunscreen? Was it not? We we, we may never know. Okay, we may never know. Um, but it is partly, at least on the pitcher, even if it is just sunscreen, to make sure their hands and wrists are not sticky enough to make it a problem that's the bottom line and the pitchers all know this they get checked every time they come in and yeah regardless of of who was right who was wrong what actually happened bottom line is that missing 10 games for robert suarez a reliever this time of year for how important he is to that bullpen yeah big deal and a big loss no doubt about it so um not uh, not terrific news there. It's certainly uh, you know a negative element of this four nothing win for the Padres, no doubt about it. 
Let's go to Sam. Great name. Calling from San Diego. Hello, Sam. Sam here at Petco Park. Hello. Hey. Hello. Yeah, you're on the air. Yeah, Sam. This is Sam. You're Sam. I'm Sam. Hello. Oh, no. I think we lost Sam. I want to talk to Sam. Sam, you are on the air with Sam Levitt. You are live on the radio right now. Certainly, uh, you know, a negative. I am. All right, all right, Sam. I got to let you go. All right, Sam. You got to be ready to uh, to talk. Let's go to Jesse calling in from Santee. Jesse, you're on the Padres post game show. How are you? Hi, I'm good, Sammy. How are you? I'm doing all right. Sammy, I just wanted to say that I'm kind of bewildered by the fact that you have to sit here and take the, the uh, negative things, um, you know, directed at an underperforming team. And it seems kind of sad that you have to <laughs> shoulder that. Well, the other thing I wanted yeah, to yeah, say. Yeah, Jesse, I'll, 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 Jesse I'll, I'll let you continue. I mean, look, <laughs> I've said this to people. Um, I think I've said it on the air before. Look, it, it's part of the job. Um you know, it's new territory for me, quite frankly. Um, you know, if people know my background, I'm a, I'm a play-by-play broadcaster from the minor leagues. Uh, you know, look, it, it's certainly uh, easier, I guess more fun when the team's playing better. But, hey, the bad times are part of it, too. I do enjoy interacting with the fans. Have there been a lot of tough nights and tough games where, especially with this team, you're, you're, you're sort of searching for answers, and I, I don't feel like I've had a ton? Um, yeah, but... But, Jesse, it's part of the job, and I'm here, and, you know, this is uh, Major League Baseball. So it's important. Yeah, and thank you, gotta, you for that. <laughs> yeah, you got to, you know, look, I, I feel like I try to play it pretty fairly. I'm probably, you know, somebody who leans more positively, zooms out on the season. I, I hope people appreciate that. I think it also comes with the territory of my specific role here. Um, but uh, it, it's all good. I'm very blessed and happy to be here, win or lose, uh, good times and bad. So appreciate it, Jesse. Go on. Uh, yeah, the other thing I wanted to say is, uh, as a season ticket holder, I feel really cheated, and mm. and there are thirty three thousand people who are being cheated. I mean, you know, the Chargers are so proud of their sellout crowd, and these people are being cheated because that isn't why they bought the tickets mm-hmm. with the performance that they're getting. And you know, I I'm a retired, you know, fixed income person. And the tickets are not cheap. And then the ownership has the gall to increase the cost of the season tickets next year. Hmm. You know, that just is not very – it's not on the part of the Padres' leadership, the the group. That's that's not very very, – I don't think it serves the, the people that have been flocking to the game. And there's a lot of people, when I go to the stadium, I see people that, you know, did sacrifice to get there. Mm-hmm. Because you can tell that they're not rich, you know, to pay the price that they have to pay to get in their game. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's, it's really yeah. bewildering that, that, that this team is playing the way they are. And, the, and you know, I, I got a letter, and it said, that they had to raise the prices because they're paying these guys so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Well, Jesse, appreciate the call. Yeah, yeah, appreciate the call, Jesse, and and appreciate your passion and your your season ticket holder and and all of it. Look, I mean, look, I'll I'll come at it from this perspective. The the fans have been tremendous, right? I mean, 51 sellouts after last night. I've been here each and every – I 100% think the fans have deserved more. They've deserved a a team that, that plays better. Um, and look, it's been a disappointing season. I, look, there could be a, a miracle, magical run here at the end. Who knows? Um, they got a lot of work to do to do it. Um, but look, there's no doubt uh, it has not matched the expectations. It has not matched what fans have brought to this building, both with their passion, their enthusiasm, the way they've showed up in numbers, and their wallet. Um, you know. I, I, I get it. Fans, you know, you're, you're paying a lot of money to come to the games. You're paying a lot of money for tickets and, and all of it. And look, that's that's coming to a ball game here in 2023. Um, but you haven't been necessarily rewarded with the performance on the field and really what you signed up for. So, look, I, 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 from from that perspective, look, I, I have I, do I think the fans have deserved better? Yeah. I mean, there's no way around that. I mean, of course, of course, they've done their part. They've done their part with their passion. They've done their part with their wallet. Um, I, I, you can't ask the fans to do any more than what they've done this year. From in Peoria, I was there every day in Peoria. Okay, there were fans all over the place. Okay, to every day here at Petco Park. I mean, they've done everything they can. And um, yeah, from that perspective, I, I you know. I was thinking about this the other day. One of the really unfortunate parts of this Padres season so far to me, and this is like, this is getting really like, um, not philosophical, that's not the right word. Um, Maybe philosophical is the right word. I don't know what word I'm looking for. But the point is is that um, there was such an opportunity Okay, let's forget what the rest of the season brings. Okay, maybe maybe it becomes magical at the end here. I don't know. But there was such an opportunity with this team and with the way the fans have shown up night after night after night for this to, to feel so different at this point of the year. Like if this team had played like people thought they could play and let's say they were battling with the Dodgers for a division crown, could you imagine what this place would be like every night? I mean, this place would be, not that it isn't even with the losses, but this place would be buzzing in a totally, I mean, different way and another level to it, really, I think. I mean, there was that opportunity this year to to have this organic relationship between the fans showing up, what's going on here, the investment that the the ownership group that the front office has put into this team and the performance on the field and it all being one happy marriage into a really awesome year. Look, I thought coming out of spring training, and look, I, I was wrong. I thought out of spring training there was a real opportunity for this team to have one of those years in the good way. Like one of those years where you you go wire to wire. I don't know if they win the division or not, but you, you sure hope you fight for it. And you play some 90-plus win baseball, and you're full of big moments, and you've got this place rocking, and, you know, the city loves you. I thought that opportunity was there based on the hype and the expectations coming in. Coming in, It hasn't been that way so far. It just hasn't. Um, 
But back to the caller, look, I, I understand your frustration. Um, you know, I, I don't have, I, I don't know enough about, you know, the prices going up and all of it. I know there's, you know, there are things like that going on. And look, obviously, regardless of that, like, you know, fans showing up even right now, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, obviously, you know, you pay to get in, you pay for food, you pay for all of it. And and I wish for all that investment, whether it be emotional or with your wallet, that, you know, the 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 feeling was better after a lot of these games and after 128 games so far. I really do. And I feel for the fans in that sense. I do. I do. So who knows? Maybe, uh, you know, maybe you'll get rewarded a little bit more. You'll feel, uh, you know, like they're uh, they're uh, <laughs> providing some uh, return on your investment uh, here in the uh, final couple of home stands. I certainly hope so. It would be uh, certainly a, a nice way, uh, or I should say a nicer way to end this year than what it's uh, typically been so far here in 2023. All right, we'll go back to the phones uh, a little bit later here, 833-288-0973, phone number to call. Let's take a look. Let's get back to our uh, normal post-game show segments here, a look at the out-of-town scoreboard. Let's go around Major League Baseball and take a look at the scores you need to know from across the country. This is the Out of Town Scoreboard presented by Jensen Meat, where great taste meets integrity. Locally produced in San Diego since 1958. We take a look at scores from around the Major Leagues. We have a number of finals, a lot of finals already today, and we have a number of games going on. And even one game yet to begin. Finals today. Cardinals beat the Pirates 6-4 in Pittsburgh. Nolan Arenado cleared the bases with a two-run double against the uh, Pirates in Pittsburgh. Hold on a second. I'm reading this. And it says two-run double. And it says bases clearing. That doesn't seem to match up. So Arenado had a double. I apologize here. Arenado had a double. Two runs came in. I don't know why it reads like that. So a two-run double for Arenado. 6-4 Pirates lost uh, to the Cardinals earlier today is the main point. Cubs beat the Tigers 6-4 in Detroit. Brewers over the Twins 8-7 in Milwaukee the final in 10. Bryce Terang a walk-off single from Milwaukee in that one in the 10th. White Sox beat the Mariners 5-4 in Chicago in 10. It was the Royals over the A's 4-0 in Oakland. Bobby Witt Jr., a home run in that one for Kansas City. Giants beat the Phillies 8-6 in Philadelphia, the final in 10. Reds in game one of the doubleheader today in Anaheim beat the Angels 9-4. Ellie De La Cruz hit a home run in that game for Cincinnati. Those are the games that are done right now. In the sixth inning in Tampa Bay, Rockies ahead of the Rays 5-3. Orioles leading the Blue Jays 1-0 in Baltimore in the fourth inning. Yankees, how about the Yankees? Trying to snap a nine-game losing skid. They're ahead of the Nationals 6-0 in New York right now in the fifth inning. Rain delay in Cleveland right now in the third. Dodgers lead the Guardians 3-1. Braves lead the Mets in Atlanta, fourth inning. 1-0 Braves over New York. Astros and the Red Sox in the second inning in Houston. Astros a 1-0 lead. And the only game yet to begin, game two of the doubleheader today in Anaheim, coming up at 6.38. So in uh, just a little bit more than an hour, game two of that doubleheader in Anaheim. And that's a look at the out-of-town scoreboard on this Wednesday in the major leagues. And if you're a Padres fan, I suppose you're rooting for the Angels in game two of that doubleheader. you got Cincinnati in front of you in the uh, wild card race so uh, i suppose go angels here tonight uh, <laughs> we'll see if the angels can 
uh, get a win. Angels 61-66 and 66 after that loss in game one of today's doubleheader. Let's hear our play of the game in this 4-0 win for the Padres. What was the crucial play that helped decide the outcome of today's game? This is the play of the game. Presented by Bill Howe Plumbing, Heating and Air, Flood and Restoration. Because we know how. Machado runs again. The 1-1 pitch hit in the air to deep center field. Chisholm's going back. He is at the wall looking up. Going to go. Two-run homer, Xander Bogarts. And the Padres get some much-needed add-on offense here in the sixth. Xander Bogarts, the two-run home run in the sixth inning, our play of the game, home run number 14 for Xander. Good day for him. The home run, and uh, Manny Machado had a base hit. Two walks, one of those walks in front of the home run by Xander Bogarts. But Bogarts, no doubt, our play of the game made it a 3-0 game from a 1-0 game, home run number 14 for Xander. All right, speaking of Xander, when we come back, we'll do a, a number of things. As uh, it looks like we may very well get to 6 p.m. So the callers have done a nice job. We may squeeze in some more, uh, more phone calls here, 833-288-0973. The phone number, our very extended edition of the postgame show here on the Padres Radio Network. But what we're going to do when we come back, we're going to, for, for those of you, and if you've uh, been with us from the beginning, well, then you may hear some stuff for the second time. But for those of you, maybe just hopping in the car or just joining us, we are going to sort of reset the scene on our post game. We'll hear from Bob Melvin. Once again, you'll hear his post game press conference coming up in just a little bit. We'll also revisit my one-on-one interview with Xander Bogarts right after the game. And you know what? We're going to go through the highlights one more time. Uh, i tell you how this one went down at Petco Park as the Padres win it 4 nothing against the Marlins. Our extended edition of our post-game coverage continues when we return to Petco Park on the Padres Radio Network. Our post-game show continues here on the Padres Radio Network. Sam Levitt with you inside the loft here at the Western Metal Building at Petco Park. Everybody has left the building here in downtown San Diego. Just you and me on the radio side of things as we bring you up till 6 p.m. here on 97.3 The Fan Padres Radio Network. I think we're going to go commercial-free until 6 p.m. So uh, you're with me if you're on the way home or whatever you're doing on this Wednesday. Padres get a very nice 4-0 win against the Miami Marlins. We'll get back to your phone calls coming up in a little bit. We are going to to reset a little bit here and revisit some of uh, what we already went through here on the postgame show. But quite frankly, we did all of that about an hour and a half ago. So... A lot of people probably tuning in that did not hear all this stuff. So uh, extended edition of our post-game show. We're going to reset here and uh, hear from Bob Melvin. Again, what he had to say after this 4-0 win. And also, you'll hear my conversation with Xander Bogarts from on the field right after the game. But if you missed this one, if you were at work or whatever you were doing on this Wednesday, let's recap it for you. Go back through some of the highlights from this one. Seth Lugo threw a scoreless top of the first inning to begin today's game in the bottom half. The Padres got off to a very quick start against Sandy Alcantara. Hassan Kim hit a leadoff double with one out. Kim was on third. Juan Soto at the plate. So Kim now 90 feet away with one out. The infield in against Juan Soto. He swings at the first pitch and bounces it past Bell into right field. RBI single Juan Soto as Kim scores. And the Padres take a 1-0 lead in the first. 
So a one nothing lead for the Padres early in this game. Seth Lugo was really, really good through his first four innings. He had allowed just one hit through four. Alcantara, the reigning Cy Young Award winner, also very, very good. He had allowed just that one run through four innings. In the top of the fifth inning, Lugo got in trouble. Runners on first and third with two men away. Lugo had to face the powerful Jorge Soler. Stallings goes, the payoff pitch, swung on and missed, strike three. Came back to the curve and got him. Second strikeout of the day for Lugo, and he's gotten Soler twice. Lugo would work around a leadoff single in the sixth inning. Lugo went six scoreless innings, his second straight game of six scoreless. He was terrific in this ball game. Padres still led just one nothing, heading to the bottom of the sixth inning. Sandy Alcantara still on the mound. Manny Machado drew a one-out walk. Xander Bogarts was next. Machado runs again, the 1-1 pitch, hit in the air to deep center field. Chisholm's going back, he is at the wall, looking up, gonna go! Two-run homer, Xander Bogarts. And the Padres get some much-needed add-on offense here in the sixth. Steven Wilson pitched a scoreless top of the seventh inning. In the bottom half, Alcantara went back to work. Garrett Cooper hit a leadoff single. He was on second with two outs for Fernando. Alcantara deals and the one-two rifled out towards right and Sanchez has to play it on a hop. Cooper's going to try and score. The throw to the plate is not in time. RBI single Fernando Tatis Jr. And now 4-0 in the seventh. That was it for Sandy Alcantara. His final line, six and two-thirds innings, four earned runs given up, seven hits, walked three, struck out three. On 105 pitches and when Alcantara came out of the game, he was not too happy. He was slamming his glove uh, into the, the gum, into the seeds. Quite the scene. You can see it on social media. Padres had a 4 nothing lead. A.J. Puck came out of the Miami bullpen. He finished that seventh inning. Then it was Tom Cosgrove who pitched a scoreless top of the eighth inning. It was not supposed to be Tom Cosgrove. Robert Suarez entered for the eighth inning. He was given the routine sticky substance check. Well, the umpires felt that, as we heard later from umpire Todd Tishner, that his left wrist apparently uh, was the area that was too sticky, and Suarez was ejected from the game. And that would come with a 10-game suspension unless there's some sort of appeal and Suarez wins it. But not only was Suarez ejected from the game, he also would now serve a 10-game suspension. And again, like we told you earlier, crew chief Todd Tishner said upon inspection of Robert Suarez's left wrist, it was quote-unquote too sticky, very sticky, and he was ejected. Now Suarez apparently in the clubhouse after the game said, quote, I definitely don't use any illegal substances, end quote. And Suarez contending he merely used the regular amount of sunscreen he uses during day games. That all from A.J. Casavell. He tweeted those quotes out and that information out. A.J., of course, the great Padres beat writer for MLB.com. So, Tom, uh, Tom Cosgrove, a scoreless top of the eighth inning. Padres didn't get anything against Puck in the bottom of the eighth inning. Padres led 4-0 heading to the ninth inning with the day off tomorrow. Bob Melvin going to Josh Hader, even though it was a non-save situation. Still was not easy for Hader. Josh Bell, leadoff single. Jazz Chisholm Jr., a walk. Runners on first and second, nobody out. Then Hader bounced back to strike out Jake Berger. Brian Zella Cruz walked with one out, so that brought the tying runs to the plate with the bases loaded in a 4-0 game. Garrett Hampson pinch hit for Jesus Sanchez. He struck out. There were two men away. Yuli Goriel pinch hit for Joey Wendell. 
Here was Hader against Goriel with the game on the line. Padres with a 4-0 lead over the Marlins. Bases loaded, two outs. Three and two to Yuli Goriel. Hader's ready. Here's the pitch and a swing and a miss. Got him with a fastball and a three strikeout ninth inning as the Marlins leave him loaded. Padres blank the fish four to nothing here this afternoon. They take the series and they finish the homestand at an even five and five. So that was that. Josh Hader, no save for him, but he does record the final three outs. And for Hader, he would lower his ERA in this game down to 0-8-1. He continues to have a great year. By the way, Tom Cosgrove also, the 1-6-9 ERA now in 38 appearances. And I gave him our relief pitcher of the game earlier, not only because he had a 1-2-3 eighth inning, but also because he had to come in after the Suarez situation, get warmed up very quickly, really out of nowhere in a spot he did not think he was going to be in. And he put together a very, very quick and easy 1-2-3 inning, including a strikeout on 12 pitches. So the bullpen, very good here today between Wilson, Cosgrove, and Hader. They combined for three scoreless innings. Seth Lugo, six innings, no runs given up. He was terrific in his start, picked up his fifth win. Sandy Alcantara dropped to 6-11. and And the Padres, four runs, seven hits, one error. Miami, no runs, four hits, no errors. Padres improved to 61 and 67. Marlins dropped to 65 and 63. As the Padres won the rubber game of this series, take two of three from the fish. So that was our highlights once again for you, in case you missed it about uh, an hour and a half ago or so. A little bit longer than that now. So I hope you enjoy the highlights, the calls, of course, from the great Jesse Agler here on the Padres Radio Network. Let's hear what Padres manager Bob Melvin had to say after this one. Bob, obviously every win important at this point. Does it resonate a little bit more possibly against a Cy Young Award winner like you did today? I think regardless who we were playing and where we were at, this is probably as much of a must win as we had this year. So, I mean, look, it, it – all of them are important now in the position that we put ourselves in, but against these guys, to lose two out of three would have been even a tougher road. Seth Lugo, once again, giving you a, a great outing, back-to-back yeah. outings now with no runs, I mean, just like, aggressive as usual, typical Seth outing? Yeah, aggressive. You know, he tweaked the slider a little bit, curveball, mixing his pitches up a little bit, obviously up and down both sides. Had really good stuff today. You know, we've seen him pitch like this quite often, and, this one was, we needed a big outing out of them. We needed, you know, to get some momentum starting the game. We score a run. It feels like, you know, we're in pretty good position with him on the mound, and we added on, but it all started with Seth today. As far as Robert's situation, it's clear what, what can you tell us details of what the umpires were telling you? Yeah, I was out there late. I took a bad time to go to the restroom. Um, but he just, when I got out there, they said that they felt like it was too sticky, and, you know, we're looking into it right now. That's all I can give you. Is there an appeal process, or is it an automatic suspension, or what, what happens from here? Uh, there is an appeal process. I think it's the player that has to appeal it, not the team. So we're still we're, we're looking into all these things at this point. If it turns out that you are missing him for 10 days, I mean, that's kind of a setback at this point. It is. Tom Cosgrove's got it. and Yeah, we just, you know, Barlow's been pitching well. We have we have guys down there to, to overcome it. Obviously, he's a big, big piece for us, but, um, you know, similar to an injury, Sometimes you just have to move on, and other guys have to step up. What were they saying was sticky, the glove or the hand, or what? what? Uh, the, to me, it was the hand. So that, that's what I had. Like I said, I was out there a little bit late. But, um, you know, the, just said to me the hand was too sticky. Back to Lugo, he's 
kind of, I mean, he's pitched more innings than he has in the past, yeah. and, and he seems to be kind of getting stronger late in the season. What has allowed him to, to do what he's done this late in the season when he hasn't been in this role in five, six years? I think it's mindset. You know, from the very first day that he knew he was going into the rotation, he didn't want to hear about innings. He didn't want to hear about limits. He didn't want to hear about anything like that. Now, he's a reliever that pitches multiple innings, and, you know, he's, he's gotten a few innings under his belt more so than some relievers, but it was just more mindset and conviction what he was doing. And from the very start, I don't know if the IL stint helped that or whatever to kind of reset, but he, he wanted nothing to do with talking about an innings limit. I know there are a lot of factors that go into this, but could he – go the distance as a starter now given how far along he is and how good he looks I, I don't see why not I mean here we are almost to September and he did have that little I don't say it's a break but he had a little you know time off with the with the IL maybe that helps too uh you're halfway through this stretch where you had I think 26 games in 27 days now that you're kind of at this halfway point how do you view the task ahead the challenge of of making up the ground that you guys know you need to make up and and with the guys that you have going forward yeah it's daunting but today would have been we lose today, but much more so. So I think with an off day tomorrow, and now we got some tough series coming up too. Um, you know, it's it's not it's still doable, but you know we're later on the season. We know we have to win series, we have to win games, we have to put together a streak, and um, you know hopefully that's coming soon. Hey Bob, in this up and down, perplexing season, when you have such a rock solid game like this, do you ever let your mind travel to be like? Why can't we just do this every game? Uh, yes, um, and I think everybody does. You know, two nights ago we were saying the same thing, and then last night, different story. So it's about putting together, you know, multiple games in a row, which we're capable of doing. Just at this point in time, we haven't. So we are where we are, and we just have to understand that we have to play better going forward. But every now and then certainly crosses your mind, as it does everybody, that, you know, where are these games a little bit more consistently? That was Padres manager Bob Melvin after today's game, this 4-0 win for the Padres over the Miami Marlins. Sam Levitt back with you on our extended edition of our postgame show here on 97.3 The Fan and the Padres Radio Network. We will finish up with your phone calls here in a little bit, 833-288-0973. We do have a couple of lines open if you want to get in line, 833-288-0973. The phone number if you would rather get involved on social media, Tweet me your thoughts about this game, about the Padres right now. Sammy Lev on Twitter, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. Instagram DMs open as well. Sammy Lev there too, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V. If you type in Sam Lev, it should pop right up. If you want to hit me up on TikTok, you can do that as well. It's Sammy Levitt on TikTok, S-A-M-M-Y-L-E-V-I-T-T. Let me know. May just read your message or your tweet live here on the air before we finish up here on our post-game show just before 6 p.m. So we've got about uh, 14, 15 minutes left together. And again, we will finish up with your phone calls in just a little bit. One of the uh, big moments in this game, like we played you, Xander Bogarts, the two-run home run in the sixth inning, 14th of the year, went from a 1-0 game to a 3-0 game. Nice moment for Xander here today in this 4-0 win. I caught up with Bogarts on the field right after the game. Xander, let's go back to the home run. You're facing a tough pitcher there in Sandy Alcantara. How were you able to get such a good swing on that pitch? Uh, I mean, I had a couple hit and runs. That bat prior, I had a hit and run foul ball. That I bat, I let off with a hit and run again foul ball. And I actually think it was a hit and run I hit out. I kind of, maybe I missed that sign. But, yeah, it was a good pitch to hit. Middle in, I was looking for some middle in up. 
And yeah, it feels good when you connect on one like that, for sure, off a good pitch like that. After last night's game, you talked a little bit in the clubhouse about the struggles offensively, wanting to put more traffic on the bases. You guys did that here today. What was the key to what you did offensively as a group? I feel like swing at strikes, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I, I hit a couple balls hard today. They didn't find no holes. I feel like we've been swinging a bat. Well, this whole series pretty much hitting the ball hard with no bases, no, no, no reward for it. Uh, but today we got a lot more walks. Uh, we were a lot more patient swinging at our pitches. And uh, you see what can happen. You create traffic and hit a ball in the gap or anything. You, you, see, you see Kimmy put the bat on the ball double and then move him over by Toddy. And, uh, and then you obviously you see what, what Soto did. So it was a really good baseball game in, in, in general overall for the team. This starting pitching continues to be terrific. Michael Waka, first game of the series. Blake yesterday and what Seth Lugo did here tonight. Six scoreless innings. From your perspective at shortstop, what did Lugo do so well today? His ball was moving a lot. His ball was moving a lot. Obviously, he has, a, he has movements, but today it was, it was moving nice. Uh, Sandy also had a lot of movement on their ball, kind of sinker ball, two-seam type of guys. Uh, but, yeah, I remember hearing him in the dugout. His changeup has a lot of fade today, so I felt like just everything in general had a lot of a lot more bite to it and it was a lot more sharp. Finally, Xander, how do you guys keep this rolling on the road in Milwaukee? Tough series. Uh, I feel like the opponents that we're going to play are, are pretty tough and uh, we can't get too, uh, too down about our schedule. we got to go out there and win every game as possible, win the series, and uh, you never know what can happen. There's a lot of weird things that happened in this game in the past, and uh, hopefully one of those is this year for us. Xander, great job today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was Xander Bogarts right after the ball game. This 4-0 win for the Padres. Bogarts, the two-run home run in the sixth inning and route to this Padre win. We will finish up with your phone calls here in just a moment. 833-288-0973. If you want to get involved, 833-288-0973. We do have a line open if you want to call in. Get in line. I'll finish up with your calls here in just a minute. I just wanted to revisit quickly our keys to the game in the pregame because they ended up being pretty accurate here today in a couple of senses. Number one, I told you before the game that the Padres in their 16-game stretch entering today had been averaging just 3.5 runs per game, a span where they went 5-11. and 11. That's tied, came into today again, not including today. That was tied for the second-fewest runs per game in the majors since August 6th, behind only the Yankees, who have lost nine in a row entering today. Now, during that span, the big four, Soto, Machado, Tatis, Bogarts, they had combined in the last 16 games for a 196 batting average as a group and a 605 OPS during that 16-game stretch. And we pointed it out because, as a collective, they had not done great at all. And there's no doubt that if the Padres are going to turn this thing around late, they've got to have those guys lead the way, you would imagine, right? Well, here today, they did a lot better. It was Soto, the RBI single, to make it one nothing in the first inning. It was Bogarts, the two-run home run in the sixth inning, to make it 3 nothing. It was Fernando Tatis Jr., the RBI single in the seventh inning, to make it 4 nothing. All in all, Tatis one for four, Soto one for four with an RBI. Tatis had an RBI as well, obviously. Machado, a couple of walks, scored the run on the Bogarts home run. He had a base hit, and Xander had the two-run home run. So those four, 
as compared to that stretch we just talked about, they did a lot better, contributed a lot more here today. That has got to continue. My second key in the pregame talked about the Padres capitalizing on their good starting pitching and, of course, getting a, a good start from Seth Lugo. Well, Lugo did that here today. Six scoreless innings, three hits allowed. He only walked one, struck out four. 93 pitches. It was the Padres' National League leading 59th quality start after they had one yesterday with Blake Snell. And by the way, Michael Walker was good in the first game of this series as well, going five innings and a third one earned run given up, but by the definition, not a quality start. But 59 quality starts now, including today for the San Diego Padres. The problem is not the fact that they get quality starts. It's the fact that the Padres have lost way too many of those games where they get a quality start. Entering today, they were 36-22 and and their starters... So they had not done a great job at consistently capitalizing on what this starting pitching has been. So Lugo delivered with six scoreless innings, quality start. Padres delivered the big four, giving him enough offense to go win the game 4 nothing. Nice, clean, tidy win here today. Bottom line, Padres have to do a lot more of that moving forward, and we'll see if they can do it after the off day. Six-game road trip beginning in Milwaukee on Friday. All right, we've got about seven minutes or so left together. Let's finish up on the phones. We'll run through them here. We begin with Josh calling in from Vista. Hi, Josh. You're on the Padres postgame show with Sam Levitt. How are you? Hey, Sammy. How's it going? I'm doing well. Hey, uh, so a few things. First off, we're always going to ask for an extra hour out of you. San Diego wants more sports radio, so <laughs> that's a question that doesn't need answering. All right. Uh, second, I, I, I worked all day. I didn't get to keep up with the game, but yeah, it was nice to get off. It was nice to get off work and see a win. It's still tough right now to keep the faith, but I was listening to you earlier and you were talking about how we have one of the easier schedules. So I'm just going to ride this wave right now. No, I'd rather not talk about Padres ball and keep it on a positive note. You were mentioning uh Shohei and his uh, strained arm he yeah. got pulled out for. And if, and it's a big if, if the Padres were to ever sign him next year, uh, I personally at least from what I've seen, freaking angels hammer him, man. He pull, he pitches, he starts pitching, and what he goes six, seven innings deep, and he's still hitting three at bats on all those games, and then all the other games he's still batting. So I mean, I feel like the angels just kind of rip him apart. If we were to sign him, I'd like to see him take a step back and just be kind of like a, a starting pitcher one day, maybe an at bat. And then, and then the days that he's not pitching, you know, go to go to a full time batting, you know, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does, Josh. And, and thank you for the phone call, and thank you for listening. Happy we could keep you company after work. Um, it's not a crazy idea. I, I mean, look, I think a lot of it will likely be dictated on what he wants to do. Now, uh, is some of the injury stuff here in the second half and the arm fatigue and. And all of it, could that be that the Angels are riding him too hard? It could be. It could be. I'll tell you what. I am fascinated with Otani, like, you know, long term. Does he remain a starting pitcher? Is he somebody who maybe over the course of time 
they decide maybe to, you know, to throw him out of a bullpen, make him a closer. So I, I don't know because there's probably difficulties to that in pitching more than every five, six days. Um, it's a it's a good question. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Um, is that part of the reason why he's had some injuries pop up? It could be, could be, but it also could just be a a baseball player having some injury or. Irby, yeah, the fact that, you know, maybe nothing to do with the with the way the Angels use him, but, you know, if you're going to use a guy like this and he's going to start every five days and he's going to get his at-bats every day and he's going to play as hard and as well as he's played for such an extended stretch, it's it's not a crazy idea. I, look, I do wonder wherever he signs, I do wonder how over the course of time as he gets older, how his role changes and how he has to adjust you know, to, to keep his productivity. It's going to be very interesting. You know, look, Otani's been fascinating. Obviously, he's doing something we've never seen before, you know, um, with the high level of production on both ends for this amount of time in, in this era. Um, at the same time, yeah, I think it's also going to be sort of fascinating to see how it evolves as he gets older and, and uh, his career continues. But uh, yeah, you know what? Josh, you may be onto something. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he'll wear the brown and gold next season. I, I have no idea. Not, not you know, it's not out of the the realm of possibility. I suppose. We'll see. Let's go to Arturo calling in from Point Loma. Hi, Arturo. Hey, Sammy. Uh, you were cutting in out earlier. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, I hear you now. Great. Uh, listen, just uh, I had a lot of stuff to cover, but given the time constraint, I'll just uh make it a two prong thing. Number okay. one, great to have you. I think you're very professional and very uplifting, very even keel. I hope you have a nice long tenure here with us because you certainly uh help us through the the bad <laughs> the bad uh you know steps or the bad uh stretches. Second thing, I've been a fan for a long time. I don't know if you ever heard about nineteen eighty four First time Padres ever made it to the World Series. Came back two down from the Cubs. Nobody had ever done that. And when they arrived home from Chicago, there was a large contingency, about 3,000 people, waiting for them at the stadium. Mm-hmm. And Flannery was there, uh, Templeton, of course, uh, a senior. So I have this idea. Hopefully, maybe if you can help out, you can do it or pass it on, that we can get somehow – uh, those of us that still believe that they can pull through and come back uh, to record a small video and uh, as an incentive for them, and maybe someone can edit it, maybe make it like a 20, 30-minute thing so that all of these guys in the locker room or something can see it and, and say, see that we're pulling from them. And maybe that will provide a spark because sometimes that's all it takes, you know, no. It's, I I think they can do it. It's just within them. They, we have great hitters and we have excellent hitters and pitchers and all that. It's just a matter of getting it all together and gelling. I yeah. I believe. I truly all do right. believe that. Yeah, Arturo. Well, look, uh, you certainly hope so, and you certainly hope they've they've got something in them here in the final thirty plus games. And uh, Arturo, thank you for the call. And you know what? If you have a video uh, you got put together or something, uh, send it to me. I'll at the very least. Uh, Maybe give it a retweet or a share or see what I can do. But, Arturo, thank you for your positivity. Thank you for tuning in and uh, for the kind words as well. Uh, got to uh, 
Got to cut you off there just because we're uh, we're finishing up here on the Padres Radio Network. But Arturo, thank you very much for listening, and uh, I hope for you uh, good times ahead here on the rest of August and September for this ball club. All right, taking a look at Friday's game. Day off tomorrow, start of a three-game series in Milwaukee, six-game road trip to Milwaukee and St. Louis, beginning on Friday in Milwaukee. Pitching matchup on Friday, right-hander Hugh Darvish on the mound for the Padres. It'll be right-hander Brandon Woodruff on the mound for Milwaukee. First pitch at 5-10 on Friday. We'll be on the air with our Eco Water SoCal Padres pregame show at 4-10. Certainly hope you can join us on Friday. Taking a look at the final totals here today. For the Padres, four runs, seven hits, one error. They left on five. For the Marlins, no runs, four hits, no errors. They left on eight. Winning pitcher, Seth Lugo, who improves to five and six. Losing pitcher today, Sandy Alcantara, who drops to six and 11. Time of game, two hours, 23 minutes, and the crowd here at Petco Park on this Wednesday afternoon, 33,640. As always, if you missed any of our post-game show, you can listen back to all of it. We had a two-plus-hour post-game here today. You got a lot to listen to. Listen to it on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts. On the Inside San Diego Baseball podcast feed. For our great studio coordinator, Nick DiNucci, I'm Sam Levitt saying so long from Petco Park. Again, the final score, Padres 4, Marlins nothing. We'll talk to you on Friday on the Padres Radio Network.